Thanks, guys. Good morning. I hope everybody is doing well. I love this weather, the, the coldness. It feels more like December, so I love it. Really neat. I hope you guys like it as, as well. Today we do begin a new series that we've entitled, Do You See What I See? And we've been promoting this series of what it's going to be like. And what we're going to see are different perspectives of different people we read about in the Christmas story. Today we're going to look at the perspective of Joseph. Next week we'll see the perspective of Mary. And then we'll see the perspective of the shepherds. What did they see? And then lastly on Christmas Eve we're going to see the perspective of God and the necessity for Christmas. See, I believe and my prayer is that we should focus our perspective to the way God intended Christmas to be. Every year that goes by, it seems that we as a people get further and further away from perspectives. We focus more on the gifts, on the craziness, than the actual celebration of his first coming, the Advent. We focus more on what we're getting as a gift than focusing more on receiving the ultimate gift that I think all of us need to receive, and that is the gift of grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So the perspective we'll be looking at through this series is this perspective of who Jesus is and the need for him as our Savior. Speaking about perspectives, I remember when I was growing up, when it came to, to Christmas time, I got super excited, of course, with the gifts. I make my list of gifts that I wanted and gave it to my parents, and I usually would get most of it. I was a chiflado. I still am. I'm not going to lie. But one of the things that I remember doing during the Christmas holidays was helping my mom decorate the tree. It was so exciting. I used to get the little ornaments. We used to have little monitos, and I'd play with them, and then I'd give them to her, and she'd put them up. But at the very end, the most exciting part was to put the nativity scene. And I still remember vividly, we had this old nativity scene, and I would place all the figurines. Of course, I would place Mary first, and then I would definitely place the wise men. And I always purposely placed them at the end because they came in late. That's what you get. You come in late to... The birth, you're going to be kind of outside. So I place them on the outside, and of course the animal, the donkey. Whoa, the donkey, right? Give donkey all the credit. And after placing all of them, I would put Joseph. Not a big deal. I knew that be, he needed to be part of the Christmas story, part of the nativity scene. I'd place him there. And then baby Jesus would come just till Christmas Day, and that was when he was placed. But Joseph, to me, was this unforeseen person, not talked about too much at all. Wasn't that much of importance. And if we're honest, today when we look at bigger nativity scenes and you go and look at them, you see the same thing. Of course, Mary, the wise men, the animals, baby Jesus in the center as he should be. And there is in the background, poor old Joseph, the unsung hero of Christmas. And so what I want us to do today is answer three questions. We're going to see who Joseph was. Let's learn a little more about this man that's so important to the Christmas story. And then we're going to see how Joseph reacted to the first Christmas. And then lastly, the theme of this series, what did Joseph see? 
So we got your Bibles with you. Go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at the perspective that Matthew wrote in his gospel and give you some context of this author, Matthew. And he writes this gospel primarily to Jewish people. And his goal is to convince the Jewish people, his people, that the Messiah was Jesus. That the man that they had crucified was actually the Messiah, Jesus Christ himself. And the first chapter, he opens up by giving us a genealogy of where Jesus came from. Because every Jew knew that the Messiah had to come from the lineage of Abraham and David. And so he does that from the very beginning, verse 1, chapter 1. The genealogy of Jesus Christ. And at the end, we see Jesus saying, that's the Messiah that you crucified, that we've been waiting for years. Interesting, the Gospels have different perspectives as well. The writers saw different things, and that's how we can see the perspectives by reading their books. Matthew and Luke are the only ones that give us a Christmas story. Mark, which was a scribe for Peter, gets to the point. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get to the mission. Let's get to the cross. So he opens up by the baptism of Jesus, opens up with Jesus' ministry. That tells us a lot about Peter. Atrabancado. I love Peter. And then we see John, and John's main perspective is to prove that he, Jesus, is divine, God himself, becoming flesh. And then he gets into the baptism of Jesus. But Matthew, like I said, takes a different view and says, this is the Messiah that we crucified. And then he goes on and talks about the birth of Jesus. So chapter 1, verse 18, opens up like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So let's take a look at Joseph, Jose, Pepe, whatever. Who was this man? What do scriptures tell us about Joseph? Well, we know, based on the genealogy of Matthew, that his father's name was Jacob. We also know, based on the Gospels, that his profession was a carpenter. But I want us to stop here for a little bit. Carpenter in Greek, the way we read it, is, has a different meaning what it meant back then than what we think it means today. Joseph being a carpenter was more of a builder. It means that he was good with his hands. Why is that important? Because a carpenter was a different social class than a builder, a contractor. So Joseph was more of a middle class. So Jesus and Mary probably grew up in a middle class, and it was a small town of Bethlehem where they grew up. So Joseph was probably well-known. As a matter of fact, we read in the gospel, when they ask about this Jesus, don't they say, isn't that the son of Joseph, the carpenter, the builder, the guy who's good with his hands? So we know that about Joseph. We also know that Joseph was a, a strong man, I believe, a courageous man. Why do I say that? Because we read also in the Gospel of Luke that when he went with Mary while she was pregnant to take the census in Bethlehem, Mary started to deliver. 
And because everybody was there in Bethlehem and it was full, there was no inns, no place where she could give birth. And, and so we read that he, because he found no place in the inn, just went to the manger and gave birth through his wife. But think about that. Joseph was probably panicking. My wife is pregnant. She's giving birth. Anything you can do. I'm sure he tried to nudge the door open. People were closing the door on him. So he was a strong man. Not a man in the background all quiet as we see him now. We also see him as a courageous man. Because when he had a dream that the angel tells him, you pick up your family and go to Egypt because Herod is killing all the firstborn male babies, he got up and went. That takes courage. I feel that Joseph was a spiritual leader, a strong man, a good husband. We got to remember that. We got to see that in this man. Not an unsung hero, but a true hero, a true man. We don't hear about Joseph anymore after we read in Luke as well that him and Mary and Jesus, when he was 12 years old, go to the temple and they lose him for three years. After that, I mean for three days. (laughs) It's a long time. After that, we don't hear a word about Joseph. And it is probable and most likely this is the way it happened. Joseph died before Jesus started his ministry at the age of 30. And why do I say that? Because we read that as Jesus hung on the cross, he looked down at his apostles, which he loved. John is what he writes. And says, John, behold your mother. And then we read that Mary after that went to live with John. It didn't go back to her husband because her husband was no longer there. Joseph, that's who he was. But I want you to capture this, and this is important. We hear about Joseph We read about Joseph. We see that Joseph is spoken to, but interestingly enough, we never hear from this man. You never hear him speak. We know about him. He's spoken to, but he is a silent man. It's interesting. But we get a better and clearer understanding of this man's character. We know who he was based on what I just told you and what we read in the Gospels. But let me go back to show us that his true character. Again, it says this. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing unwilling, I'm sorry, to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph, a just man, a righteous man, a noble man is what it tells us. He was a godly man. And it says that he was betrothed to his wife. Now let me explain a little bit about Jewish engagement back then. It was called a betrothal. They were betrothed. And it was really, they acted as if they were being married. As a matter of fact, when you got engaged you would sign a document that made you husband and wife. And an engagement back then usually lasted about that, a year. In a year, you would find out what really the person was like, what really the husband-to-be was like, what really the wife-to-be was like. They lived separate, separated for a whole year. Really, in that year, you got to know if they were pure or not. During that betrothal, They were considered married. And that's what the scripture tells us. 
But he said this. Matthew says that being a just man, he decided, Joseph, to divorce her quietly. That is so important. Because you know what Joseph could have done? You know what I would have done, if I'm honest? I would have said, wait a second. You're pregnant? My future wife is pregnant and it's not me? I wouldn't decide to divorce her quietly, but Joseph, again, being a just man, saying, I am not going to divorce her the way I should divorce her, the way everyone seems to divorce her. I'm going to divorce her quietly. See, back then, if you were caught in the act of adultery, legally, by Mosaic law, you bring out the woman in front of the town and stone her to death. In the eyes of Jewish tradition, Joseph and Mary were married. And he could have said, I am not going to do this quietly. I'm going to shame her, put her in front of the town, and everybody's going to stone her to death, and I will be the first one to pick up the stone and throw it at you. How could you marry? But he didn't act in anger. He didn't act in revenge. He acted as a just godly, righteous man and said, I will divorce you. I will sign the divorce papers and you go live your life with whomever that child is from. He decided to divorce her quietly because he was a just man. Let's continue reading verse 20. But as he considered these things, interesting, he's thinking these things back and forth. Again, he's a just man, but he's still a man. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm putting myself in Joseph's shoes. How could she? She goes off to see her cousin Elizabeth, and, and three months later she comes back and she's pregnant? What are people going to say? It's a small town. I'm well known. And I know that's not my child. Imagine the humiliation. So he's considering all these things. And then he says this. Matthew says, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, again, emphasizing the lineage of who Jesus came from, came from David. Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Don't consider these things. Don't worry about your reputation. Don't worry about any of that that's going through your head. He says, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold the virgin. Now, I'm going to stop here for a little bit because it's so important. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, but it says the prophecy, the virgin, not a virgin, God specifically chose Mary, and we're going to look at that next week, as the virgin to fulfill a prophecy that Matthew's quoting that happened hundreds of hundreds of years before. He says, behold, the virgin, the chosen woman, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
by naming a child, by Joseph saying, I will call him Jesus because you've commanded me to, he is saying, I will take this son like he's one of mine. I will become his father and be a responsible man to Jesus. How did he react? He reacted in obedience. That's what we just saw. But let's not just say, okay, he obeyed. It was a sacrificial obedience. He, had, he reacted in obedience. Again, he says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He said, I'm going to marry her, even though I still have doubts. But he says, but I knew her not until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. I'm going to marry this woman. I'm going to take her shame. I'm going to take her responsibilities. And still, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Even though you're telling me that she's conceived by the Holy Spirit, I trust you, God, and I will step in obedience and marry this woman. And I don't care what everybody else says. Now, I'll think about that as well. It's not an easy step of obedience. It takes sacrifice. Again, Joseph being a builder, a carpenter, well-known in that small town of Bethlehem or Nazareth, he knew that his reputation would go out the window, but he said, I don't care. He knew that everybody, even though they say, look, this is from God, this is the Holy Spirit, everybody in the town, everybody in the whole community, everybody in Israel say, yeah, right, Joseph, you're falling for that? He knew he would be shamed on. And if he decided to step away, he would have been scot-free, but he didn't. He took his wife and bore her shame and took the guilt of a responsible man, he obeyed sacrificially. I love what Max <laughs> Lucado says about this, about Joseph. He says this, Joseph in that moment was caught in deciding on what God says and what makes sense. Let me read that again. Joseph was caught in deciding what God says and what makes sense. Have you guys ever been there? I know I have. God's telling you something to do something, but it makes no sense. God's saying do this, but the world says no. That goes against God's word. God's telling you keep on with your marriage. There's reconciliation if you follow my instructions, if you follow my word. And to you it makes no sense, but you don't know what she's done. You don't know how he is. You're asking God, God, I've been single for years. It makes no sense. I've been a godly man. I've been a godly woman. I've held myself to marriage, but I'm getting tired because all my friends are getting married. They're doing the world thing, and that makes sense, God. What do I do? God, it makes no sense. You're asking me to, uh, to give someone forgiveness after you know how much they hurt me. That makes no sense, but God, you say to forgive them? My finances are out the window, God, but yet you're commanding me to give, to tithe. How can I? Seriously, God, that makes no sense. Have you been there? That's what Joseph was stuck on. What makes sense and what God says. And he chose in obedience to follow God as we should too. Lastly, I want to see what Joseph saw, his perspective, and here's what he saw, and here's what we all should see in Christmas. And your sermon point is this. 
he saw that Jesus is my Savior and God with us. He realized that he needed a Savior and Jesus was his Savior. And not only that, he was God with us. Let's look at verse 21 again. She will bear a son and you should call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew is how you pronounce that. And it's, it means, Yeshua means Yahweh saves. When I hear that Yahweh saves, I hear this, God to the rescue. Rescue us from what? Rescue us from our sins. Joseph knew no matter how righteous we read that he was, no matter how good a husband he was and a strong man, he knew he was a sinner. What we need to realize, the view, the perspective that we need to see starting now and definitely this Christmas, that you and me are sinners and there's nothing we can do to merit our salvation. We can never be righteous enough. We can never be good enough. It's only when we trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus, our Savior, that he died on the cross and rose on the third day for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the only way that he could save us from our sin debt. He also saw that God was Emmanuel, God with us. Again, verse 22b, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. One commentary wrote this, Emmanuel does not mean that God has given us a representation of himself, but that he has come in person to share in our situations. God with us. Here's what I want us to realize of who truly Emmanuel is. It's not that just God is in our midst, which he is. God is there. He understands you. He sympathizes you. He knows what it's like to obey him and, and fear, not knowing and doubting. He, Jesus at the garden said, if there's any other way, he knew. But I will trust you, God. Not my will, but your will be done. I truly believe that Joseph saw that perspective. And because he knew Emmanuel, God with him, he could step out in obedience, as hard as it looked, as much as it didn't make sense to him, he understood that God was with him. God with us. Emmanuel. You know, like Jesus, like Joseph taking the shame of Mary, I'm sorry, saying, I will take the shame of her, not knowing really where this son that she's bearing came from. I will take her shame because I trust you, God. In the same manner, Jesus has taken our shame. We become his bride. Our guilt, our frustrations, our fears. And like a loving groom that he is, dying for us at the cross, he's taking that guilt, that shame, and saying, I am here. I am God with you. I am truly Emmanuel. Let me ask you, what would it look like if starting now is for sure starting Christmas, we take that perspective and really truly realize that God is with us. First of all, knowing that we need a Savior to save us from our sins, we need Jesus, Yeshua. And then believing that no matter how 
crazy it looks like we step in sacrificial faith as Joseph did and believe that God was truly with us. How would that change your marriage? How would that change your relationship? How would that change your finances? How would that change your worship and giving? It would drastically change your perspective. See, at the beginning I mentioned that Joseph is spoken to, he is spoken about, but we never hear from him. But you know what? Actions speak louder than words. Through his actions, we see his faith. We can come and say, yes, I believe Jesus is my Savior. Yes, I worship him. But how are you acting out? Are you acting out in obedience? See, talk is talk. We never hear from him, but we see a lot from what he did. My prayer is we be a church like Joseph. We be a church that moves as Joseph did, boldly, sacrificially, in faith, trusting God. Grace Bible Church has changed its perspective to realize that Jesus is my Savior and that God is with us. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks and praise for who you are and that your words are always true. Father, I come before you just asking that if anyone hasn't put their trust in your son, Jesus Christ, that you open their hearts, you open their eyes, you open their minds to realize that they're not good enough, they can never be good enough, and that receive that they receive that gift, that gift of grace, of salvation that only comes in faith in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that they receive that gift, the ultimate gift, this Christmas holiday, Father, this Christmas season. I also pray, Lord, that those of us that have received that gift, that we move in faith, that if God is speaking to someone out there right now saying, trust me, that they be like Joseph and act in obedience, even, more importantly, when it doesn't make sense. Father, I pray that we are a church that moves in your direction based on what you say and not what others say, not what the world says, not what we think we should do. If we move forward, a season that we're in like now more than ever would transform so much. Father, I pray that we are true representation of your son, Jesus Christ, and how we live and how we act. And by not saying a word, people will know that we are the light in the community that only comes from your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray all these things in the true light, your son, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys.